My name is Keith Cowart, lead pastor of Christ Community, and each week I or one of our pastors will bring a message that we pray will stir your heart. We believe that God is the source of life and truth and that His Word is one of the primary means through which we make that vital connection with God. It's our hope that whether you're already a believer or just beginning to open your heart to God, that the truth of His Word would point you to Him. He came that you would have life and that more abundantly. Now, let me take just a few minutes, and it will be just a few minutes. Um, to talk to you, uh, I want to I build on where Derek was last Sunday. Um, I was over at Phoenix City last Sunday helping them to transition there the way we did here two weeks ago. Uh, Derek did a great job last Sunday of getting this Advent season off the ground. Some of you don't come from a tradition where the word Advent means a whole lot. Uh, some of us grew up in traditions where Advent is second nature. We all we know what Advent is, but some of you didn't. Advent is simply a, a part of the Christian year that's four weeks leading up to Christmas, and it is a time of preparation. Uh, just like Lent is a time of preparation for, for Easter, Advent is a time of preparation for Christmas. It's a time where we're meant to reflect on, what, on the Christmas story. We're meant to reflect on all that took place uh, in those uh, events in the Christmas story. And, and it's a time for really asking the Lord what it means for us today. Uh, Derek did a great job of talking to you about the fact that Advent reminds us of the, the fact that he is near. Um, when we talk about him being near, that means that he is on the horizon. I think Derek touched on this last week, but we're reminded that for hundreds and hundreds of years, the people of Israel were waiting for Christ to come. They, they believed that he was near, but he had not yet come. And so that was a season of living by faith and waiting for him to come when he had not yet arrived. This morning, I want to talk to you about the incarnation, the fact that God is no longer just near, he is now with us. God is with us. Uh, in the Old Testament, the prophet said, his name will be called Emmanuel. And the word Emmanuel literally means God with us. And that is exactly who Jesus is. Make no bones about it. We as Christians believe something that is absolutely preposterous to the world. We believe something that makes no sense from a worldly, earthly standpoint. We believe that God himself came to the earth, took on flesh just like us, and lived with us. We believe that that's who Jesus was. That's what the incarnation means. The word incarnate means to be made flesh. Well, for us as Christians, it means that God was made flesh, that Jesus was literally God. Now, there are so many things that we could talk about with that. Uh, we talked about it, in fact, in Hebrews, when we talked about the fact that Jesus had to be made like us so that he would be a faithful high priest. There's a whole lot around that that we already talked about in the Hebrews series. But this morning, I simply want to touch on two things very quickly that stand out to me when we think about the, the, the implications of the fact that, that God became flesh. That Jesus came to the earth. Why did he do that? Why did God do that? I, I wanted to say two very simple things. The first thing is this. 
that Jesus came that we would have a concrete portrait of the Heavenly Father. If you've ever asked yourself, I wonder what God looks like. If you have you ever thought to yourself, you know, I mean, what, I don't mean physically, but what is God like? What is his, what is his nature? What is his character? Who is God? We have a concrete portrait of the Heavenly Father in the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, John said it this way in in, uh, the first chapter of his gospel. He says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. I love Peterson's paraphrase of that. Uh, when he says this, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Moved into, we saw the glory with our own eyes. By the way, let me just tell you, I'm going to come at this in two weeks in a much deeper way. But this word glory, the word glory, it's a word that we sing about. It's a word that we shout sometime. Uh, it's a word that as Christians we know, but I'm not sure we really understand it. The word glory means, it, it literally means weightiness. And it means uh, that when, when something spiritual is made tangible. Glory is the way God reveals himself to us. We saw the glory of God with our own eyes. The one-of-a-kind glory, like father, like son. Generous, inside and out, true from start to finish. If you want to know what the father looks like, look at Jesus. The book of Hebrews says it this way uh, in verse 3 of chapter 1. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of His being. If you want to know what God looks like, look at the life and the ministry of His Son, Jesus Christ. Look at the way He came in glory and humility. We're going to be coming back and talking about that in in a couple of weeks. Uh, Actually, not glory, but majesty and humility. He came in both majesty and humility all at once. Look at the way he lived. Look at the way he loved. Look at the way he led those who followed him. If you want to know what God looks like, look at the person of Jesus Christ. Look at his passion. Look at his power. His ability to touch the broken and to make them whole. To touch the sick and to make them well. To speak to the wind and make it stop. You see the power of God in the person of Jesus. Look at the way he, uh, he came against the enemy in casting out demons. Look at the way demons shuddered in his presence because of who he was. You want, you want to know what God looks like? Look at Jesus and you will see an exact representation of the Father. Look at what made him angry. Look at what made him sad. Look at what filled him with joy. Look at, look at the way he died and gave himself for us. If you want to know what God looks like, look at the person of Jesus Christ. But there's a second thing here that I, that I think is, is equally important. And it's this, and it's based on something that we don't see in the Christmas story, but we see in the story of creation. When God created you and me as human beings, God said, in essence, you are the crown jewel of my creation. 
Everything else in creation is secondary to you. Because it is only you and I that God breathed His own breath into to give us life. It is only you and I who were literally made in the image of God. We were made in the image of God. So here's a very important question. You want to know the way you were meant to live? You want to know the way you were designed to live? You want to know what your spiritual DNA is? You want to know what will set you on a course that will enable you to live life in that abundantly? Then look at the life of Jesus. Because Jesus gives us a picture of God. And God gives us a picture of the way you and I were made to live. We were made in his image. So when we look at Jesus, we see this is the way we were meant to live. Again, just go back and think about his life. Uh, Look at the way he lived his life. I mean, uh, look at the way he loved. Uh, Look at the way he responded to the people around him. Look at the way he loved his father. Look at the way he loved his followers. Look at the way he loved the lost and the broken, the needy, and the desperate. Look at the way he responded to those who hated him. Look at the way he responded to those who failed. Look at the way he battled the enemy. And look at the way he gave himself sacrificially for others. You want to know how you were meant to live? Look at Jesus. You have a picture, it's a perfect picture, and you'll never perfectly match up to that picture. But please understand what I'm saying here. What I'm saying is this. If you want to know the way you were designed to live, look at Jesus. This is so important because the world is constantly giving us a different picture. The world is constantly telling us to live a different way. The world is constantly telling us to live for ourselves, to live for this moment where Jesus was constantly living for others and living for eternity. You want to know what's going to set you free to be everything you were meant to be? Then look at the way Jesus lived. And that's the way you were meant to live. Can I just highlight four things that we see in his life that just really capture the essence of the way he lived? And the first one is this. Jesus lived with one great truth. And that great truth is that he was a dearly beloved son. I think one of the most powerful things about his, the story of his ministry is that when he was launched into ministry and he was baptized by John the Baptist, there was a voice that came from heaven. And that voice said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And I want to tell you that from that day until he gave his life on the cross, Jesus lived his life with a firm understanding of who he was. Jesus did not waste time or energy trying to figure out what the people around him wanted them to be. Jesus was not constantly trying to, to figure out how to live in a way that would make him acceptable to the world. Jesus knew in his heart of hearts that he was a dearly beloved son. And it was that identity that gave him the freedom to just live without restraint as a dearly beloved son. So many of us don't know that essential truth in our own hearts. So many of us wake up every day wondering what we're supposed to be. Battling, battling uh, the, the, the tension of what we think others want us to be. And your heavenly father wants to say to you, 
You are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter. That is your identity. Jesus lives so freely out of that identity. And when we see the way he lived, it shows us the way we were meant to live. And then secondly, Jesus had one great practice. One great practice or discipline, and that was prayer. I mean, here he is, the son of God. He's got a direct line to God. But every day, he took time to get away from the crowds. He took time to go to a solitary place, to go to a mountainside, or or to go to somewhere where he could get away from people to nurture that intimacy with the Father. When we say that God is with us, that doesn't just mean that he walked around in 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 flesh. Because when he went back to the Father, he said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to be your comforter. And I wonder if we understand today that he wants to be with us right now. He wants to be with us. He does not want you to live alone. He does not want you to walk alone. He doesn't want you to be isolated. He wants you to know that he is with you. And the way Jesus nurtured that sense of withness is through prayer. He was constantly going to the Father and reminding himself that the Father was with him and talking to the Father, listening to the Father and letting the Father lead him every day. One great truth, one great practice. And then thirdly, one great mission. Jesus came here with one great mission and that uh, that mission was the redemption of mankind. Jesus came here to restore what the enemy took in the garden. He came to deal with our sin so that you and I can once more be made right with God. His whole mission was to bring the good news of the gospel that God has provided a way for man to be made right with God. That was his mission. That's what he lived for. That's what he gave his life for. And I want to remind us again, as I said earlier when Andrew was up here with me, you and I were made in his image. We were given that mission. That does not mean you're going to be a preacher. That doesn't mean you're going to be a missionary necessarily. What that means is that every one of you has your own mission field. You live in a mission field every day. Where you work, where you live, where you do your business, that is your mission field. And it is important, if we want to live the way God designed us to live, It's very important that we understand that our primary reason for existence is to be a living witness to the gospel that lost people can be made right with God and to be ready to share that message when the opportunity comes. And then lastly, he lived with one great motive, and that motive was love. Everything Jesus did was driven by love. He came here out of love. He lived here among us out of love. Everything he did in ministry was driven by love. What that reminds us of is that you and I were not made to be consumed with ourselves. Because you see, the nature of love is that I am focused on those outside of myself. Love is something that I do for the benefit of others. I give myself for the benefit of others. That's what love is. Ultimately, love is giving. That's why I go back to what I said earlier in the budget talk. And that's why I say that, you know, budget talk is is very spiritual stuff. The reason you were made to be givers is because you were made for love. Love doesn't cling to. Love does not hide. Love does not isolate itself. 
Love sets us free from fear to live boldly for the sake of other people. That's what you were meant to live by. If the enemy has, has trapped you in a place of being consumed with your own needs, if an enemy has, has gotten you to a place where you're living life just clinging to everything you've got, living in fear, living in isolation, beloved, I want you to know that is not the way you were meant to live. That is not why God put you on this earth. God wants you to live the way Jesus lived. And that's freely, boldly, confidently, driven by love for Father and for those around us. Beloved, that's a Christmas message. That's what the incarnation's all about. And that's what Jesus was sent here to do. To show us what the Father looks like and to show us the way you and I were meant to live. I'm going to ask our servers if you'll come get the elements ready. Um, because we want to close with a time of response. And uh, I, I do want to remind you that we have an open communion. That means you don't have to be a member of this church to come and share in communion. Uh, we do communion every Sunday. And the reason we do it is not because it's just part of the liturgy. We do it because ultimately our greatest act of worship is to celebrate what Jesus Christ did on the cross when he allowed his body to be broken and his blood to be shed for our sins. So I'm going to invite you in just a moment to come. And I would invite you to come confessing your sin. I would invite you to come trusting God for forgiveness of your sin. And I want to ask you to come and just celebrate what Jesus has already done to make you right with the Father. I also want you to know there are going to be people up here that are ready to pray with you. If you have special needs today, if you need healing, if you need uh, prayer for direction, if you just need someone to pray over you because of circumstances in your life, there are going to be people here up front who are trained and ready to pray with you. Some of you may just need to sit back down and continue to do business with God right where you are. Please feel free. The, the point of this time in our service is this. You have just heard the word of God. I'm asking you before you run out these doors to take a few minutes to reflect on what's just been said and ask this question. Lord, what do you want me to do with that word? What are you saying to me personally this morning about my own life? about my family's life. Would you just stand right now and let's begin to respond however the Lord leads you to respond today.